Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Motor City Hoops. Today I have the great pleasure of being joined by David Aldridge, and we're going to hear his opinion of the New Look Pistons, the NBA landscape, the winners of free agency, and also a little bit of uh, talk about Team USA and the Olympics next summer. But before we get to that, I really want to talk about the NBA draft, the free agent signings, possibly expiring contracts. Are, are the Pistons built for the next three years or, or what? And also about finding the vets for this young core. Now, let's get the draft. I, I really love what Weaver did. Honestly, I, I loved it. Um, Killian Hayes with a seventh pick. Great pickup. Has played professionally before, so he has some experience. You know, he's a 6'5 guard with a 6'8 wingspan. He has the ability to, to make plays on the offensive and defensive end. He's a good pick-and-roll player, and right now it seems that he's a franchise He's a franchise player, you know, and the franchise kind of relies on his growth at this point. But I do love the pick. I love the pick because it fits with the other pieces. As I'm going to go through these draft picks and free agent signings, you'll see there is um, there's a lot of common themes here. And that's defense, that's grit and grind, that's the hard-nosed um, defensive first style of the Detroit Pistons. And, and, and the one that is the same that Casey built with, with the Raptors, and the Raptors still hang their hand, they, they, they hangs that, you know, they, they hang the hat right on that. So it's 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 something that I'm happy with, honestly. Um, and I'm looking forward to covering the Pistons, not just this year, hopefully for many years to come. Now, Isaiah Stewart from Washington, 16 pick. First of all, we have to understand that Troy Weaver worked with Coach Hopkins, who was Stewart's coach at Washington. They worked together at Syracuse. So there was a lot of information going on there between these two. And uh, he has a lot of potential. I say he's strong body, very strong body, almost NBA ready. He has the potential to be a modern center, I think. He shot 77% from the fifth line. He doesn't seem to be the best rebounder out there, but he's a solid, good, solid rebounder. And uh, with a 77% from the fifth line, I really think he can improve that and possibly become modern standard, which means like a stretch five that can, you know, uh, stretch the floor to shoot some threes. Now, my favorite pick, of uh, very biased, Sadiq Bey. Great player. I compare him to Chris Middleton and the same skill level, you know, 6A from Villanova. Huge fan of Jay Wright's, you know, he was, he was Nova's best player. He plays on both ends of the floor. Good defender. 
But what attracts me the most this pick is the multi-level score that Sadiq Bey can be. Uh, Sadiq Bey has the potential to become an all-star. Has the potential to be the Chris Middleton. And um, I see, you know, he's 6'8", very versatile. And um, I, I look forward to, to watching him develop because I really think he can be a, a huge player for, for, for the rebuilding Pistons. Now, with the second-round pick, uh, uh, Weaver chose Saban Lee, 6'2 guard of the Vanderbilt. Great pick. Very athletic and really fits, again, it fits the Pistons' style right now, what Casey wants to build. You know, bring Saban Lee off the bench, put a lot of pressure, very athletic, can go up and down, but defensive first style, which seems to be a theme. Also, once we move to the, the, the signings of the free agent, you know, your biggest free agent, Jeremy Grant. He's a great player. Uh, I love the signing for a few reasons because he he brings a lot to the table. He, he can switch across all positions. You know, he runs the floor great. He shot the ball 39.1% from three the last two seasons. Uh, a little bit more expensive than Wood. I think it came down to that, Grant versus Wood, in, in, in signing, uh, signing them. But I think Casey sees a little bit of Siakam in Wood. Uh, in Wood and Grant, sorry. He sees that potential. I think that's what Grant signed with the Pistons because he's going to have a lot more freedom on the offensive end. He's going to have a lot more responsibility. Now, I do have a question about Grant and Blake being together on the floor. Uh, it, it seems difficult to me, looking from the outside in. It, it, it seems I was doing the matchups, and it just seems like there might not be enough shooting for them to be on the floor at the same time. But that remains to be seen. Uh, then Josh Jackson, I love the signing. It's a good gamble. It's a good gamble for 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 franchises that are rebuilding. You know, you should you should make these kind of gambles. Why why not? You know, he's he's been playing well lately, and I can see him developing a little bit more and becoming a solid player for uh, for us. Dylan Wright is good. You know, he can play both guard position. Uh, we got him at what two years at seventeen point five. So for guard, he's um, for a two-way guard, for a guard that can play both positions, I think it's a it's a very good deal for for the Pistons. Now to the centers, and we signed quite a few of those, didn't we? And uh, the Pistons, Plumley. Okay, I like the Plumley pickup. If only if I like it, if he was paired with Hayes, because I think that was the plan from the beginning. Why am I saying that? I, I refer to Hayes' playmaking ability, pick and roll play, and Doing a little bit of research, other than everybody knows, you know, Plumley plays hard. He's a good screener. He's a veteran. He can be a mentor to, to, to the younger guys, the Pistons. Agree with all that, but uh, look at skill level. Okay, maybe I don't see it. And, uh, yeah, I didn't see it. <laughs> 1.34 points per possession as a roller in pick and roll. That's top 10 in the league, top 10, which... You would need, right? You need that. When when you put the Grant outside, they can shoot 39.1. You put an Ellington outside, they can shoot 37%, 37% from three. And you put Killing Hayes in a pick roll with, with Plumley. I, I like the odds of that. I, I like my odds at that point. So it seems that this was a very well-thought signing, even though from, uh, you know, from Twitter and social media, you can see some fans were pretty disappointed. Uh, in this signing, but I like it. As I look at the numbers, I kind of like it. Then you look at 20, 21.4% assist rate last year. That's 96th percentile. Again, he's one of the best in the league. That He's right there with Jokic, you know. 
And you want a good passer with a young point guard. You know, he might make that pass early on, on the roll and uh, where your big might not be able to finish. So you need the big to be able to make a play from that point on. And that's what Plumlee might do for you. And for, for the money he signed, I think it's it's a great gift for the Pistons. I don't, you know, it's a three-year deal. And it seems that everything is based off this uh, this three-year. I'm, I'm going to touch a little bit on that once I'm done with the free agents. You know, bringing um, Ellington in. It was, like I said, we need shooting. I mentioned the shooting uh, piece earlier. And uh, Ellington, you know, is like a 37.8% career three-point shooter. And his last thing with Detroit, he shot 37.3. So he's right there. He brings a lot of experience. He brings a lot of shooting. He's a good locker room guy. You know, he's, he's not going to create problems. And um, it, it seems to me that that's what they were looking to also in, in, in signing guys, you know, just some kind of leadership in the locker room and also help the younger draft picks develop and um, create a healthy a healthy culture. And then the Okafor is, is the one that surprised me the most, I think, but it came with a, a low price tag, I think, for the cap space. So I think we're okay with that. I'm not sure if they see him as the third center behind Stewart or is Stewart going to get a little bit less minutes this year? You know, is it going to be Plumlee Okafor in the rotation mainly? Do we move Blake at the five and play small? That's all interesting stuff that we can see. Of course, that's given that Blake and, and the Rose are going to stay with the Pistons long enough this year. I know Blake's been, been talked about, you know, getting traded for, for quite, a, quite a minute now and uh, it doesn't seem to happen. And uh, now since I mentioned that, let's talk a little bit uh, about the Blake Griffin, D-Rose for John Wall that's being rumored around. I don't know how I feel about that because it seems to me that Derrick Rose might be a little bit better backup for Hayes. Or Wall seems to, to become back strong and, you know, it seems that he's going to want a lot of, a lot, a lot of minutes. He's uh, going to want the ball in his hand a lot, so I'm not sure. How that's gonna work, but again, I can also see the the case the case in point that you don't want to rely on a rookie to to handle you know the ball thirty minutes a game. It worked for the Mavericks, uh, but I think Doncic is a rare talent. I'm not sure. Uh, with all the respect to Killian Hayes, he's a great player, great potential, but I'm not sure he's there yet. Now let's go, David Aldridge. Um, I really want to thank you for joining me. I really appreciate his insight and uh, his help a long time. He's also been uh, been on my own podcast, uh, my personal podcast, so I really appreciate that. And um, let's go see what the, David has to say about uh, our new look Pistons. DA, thank you so much uh, for joining me on my first episode at uh, Motor City Hoops. And uh, I really, really appreciate your time. I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible. My man, I, it's always a pleasure, Vlad. Always a pleasure to talk to you, man. And uh, happy to join in, in uh, and hopefully it goes well for you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. DA, what is your take on uh, the rebuilding Pistons right now? Well, you know, it's funny, Vlad. I, I, I'm, I'm doing a, um, like a one through 30 in the NBA, uh, all the, all the offseason moves that every team made. And I'm in the process of ranking them right now. Um, and I must tell you, I, <laughs> I am, I am very, um, pleased i guess would be the word or maybe you know very intrigued by what what troy troy weaver is doing i mean he could have sat pat he could have said i'm a new gm and i'm going to take it easy and i'm going to resign 
um, you know, I'm going to re-sign Christian Wood and, and do all the things that I should do. But he came in and blew it up, man. And I you know there's something to be said for that. Um, there's something to be said for I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I what I think is right. I'm going to bring my guys in and we'll see what we what we come up with. So, um, you know, I got respect for him for doing that. Now, it may not work. I'm not saying it's a, it's a guarantee that this is going to work. But at least he's put his stamp on this thing. You can't you can't say this is not Troy Weaver's team going forward in terms of the moves he made. Absolutely. And uh, to me, he's had success in the past. And I, I believe that he's he's certainly done the, the right moves if you if you think ahead. Uh if you're looking to stay in the present, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for, for Pistons fans. Uh for example, the Plumley uh, move, I think a lot of people questioned it and then yeah. I kinda did a little bit of research now. So Plumley was top ten in pick and roll. Yeah. I think he scored about one point three point uh one point three points per play. In pick and roll situations, you draft Hayes, so I think that's a matchup that Troy Weaver probably wanted him and him and Hayes together in a pick and roll situation. Uh, also, Plumlee's above average uh, pick and roll passer from short roll situations. Yeah. So I think it's uh, if you look deeper, I think um, he really has a great grasp of, of what he wants to do, and um, you know it might have been uh, not exactly uh, pleasing to to the crowd from yeah. day one. Um, you know, it's tough. It's tough because um, I think rebuilding is uh, is never easy, and uh, the fans are the hardest uh, hardest ones to please. Well, it, you know, it's tough because you usually it, it's difficult because you're all you, you only have one, two choices when you're rebuilding. You can rebuild on the fly, which is what some teams do. You know, Indiana has done it for years. You know, and this is what happens in mid markets a lot, Vlad. Um, in the NBA, is that you can't take it all the way down. You can't take it all the way down, and we're just going to go through the draft. Everybody says we want to build through the draft. Nobody has the patience for that. Fans don't have the patience for it. You know, owners don't have the patience for it. Coaches don't have the patience for it. Um, and so you wind up kind of having to do it on the fly. Um, and that's kind of what I think Detroit's doing. They're trying to rebuild the thing on the fly without taking it all the way down. Um, and it's it's hard because you have to – then you have to kind of overspend uh, for players that you want, and um, you have to take chances on guys and hope that they overcome injuries or a bad season the year before. Um, all kinds of, of caveats in there. Um, but, you know, I think, <clears throat> again, I think I like what he's doing in terms of taking a shot. He really likes Sadiq Bay, right? So take a shot. If you like the kid, and you, he's worth you know making some moves for to get. Then, then go ahead and do that. Um, so I'm okay with it. But now you got to see what happens on the floor. I'm a big Delon Wright fan, for example. I think he is a guy that played really well when he was in Toronto. Um, I thought he had a chance down the road to be a lead guard. Um, maybe, maybe more realistically, he's a third guard in a three guard rotation. And I think he'll get a chance to do that in uh, in Detroit. Um, so that's another guy that I think you can kind of bet on to come with. Um, but I think all of this really depends on what you think of Jeremy Grant. You know, if you think Jeremy Grant is a just below all-star level guy, then this was worth it. But if you don't, then they overpaid for him. But again, if you like the guy, go get him. And they went and got him. So I, I respect that. Well, I think Jeremy fits a lot, um, 
very well with Coach Casey's idea of, of hard-nosed basketball, defensive-minded first. Jeremy's a guy that can switch one through five, and I'm a big fan of Coach Casey uh, from yeah, his Toronto yeah. days. Absolutely. I he, he, he built that thing beautifully. Yes. From scratch. And I think that's what they're trying to do from from, from just uh, listening to their press conference. Uh, they try to bring that grit and grind back, uh, yeah. you know, the, the protecting the pain that – you know, just hard-nosed defense first, and then we're going to get up, run, and figure out a way to to play on offense. Uh, probably through a guys like through a guy like Hayes. Sure. Uh, you know that they want it. They really, really want it, and uh, he really want to to be in Detroit. And I think that's really appealing to all Detroit fans too. When you get a guy that really wants to be there, he said that from day one. Yeah. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops with Vlad Moldovano. Explore our other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Cavalier Central, Knock If You Buck, Risen Grind, 305 Culture, Hashtag Lakers, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network as well, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Now, DA, what do you think about the teams that were not in the bubble? Um, yeah. as, as a player, for me, I know... It, it was a little bit of rust. So I'm wondering if the teams in the bubble, do they have somewhat an advantage over the other teams at the beginning of the season? Or are they going to actually be more tired, the teams that play in the bubble? Um, so I'm, I'm wondering how that is going to impact the teams that are were not in the bubble and the teams that were in the bubble. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question, Vlad, that the, the, the eight teams that did not go to Orlando are going to be at a significant disadvantage at the start of the season. They haven't played in eight months, and I don't care who you are. When you haven't played basketball in eight months, competitive basketball, it's going to take you a while to get your timing back. It's going to take you a while to get your win back. Um, if you've made any adjustments, roster adjustments, it's going to take you time to get used to your new teammates. And the other teams that played in Orlando have at least some continuity going forward because they they had a group of their guys together. Now, everybody didn't have all of their players. I understand that. But but most of the teams had a good chunk of their core group together. So if you, you, know, if you made the playoffs especially, um, I think that's going to really help. Now, the question is what happens with the older teams? You know, what happens with a, you know, a, a Lakers team that, that clearly with LeBron is going to have to manage his minute sum going forward? the first part of, of this coming season. Um, I suspect LeBron's going to have several games off, you know, the first month uh, as he ratchets back up, and, and rightly so. Um, and they've got enough. I don't think it matters quite as much with, with Anthony Davis. He's a little younger. I think he can handle the workload. And keep in mind, even the teams that were in Orlando also had four months off before they went back to work. So, yeah. so they did have some time off um, this past year. Um, so – um, it'll have to be managed. You're going to have to be smart. The teams that went the deepest, especially the final four teams, you know, Denver and Miami and Boston and the Lakers, they're, they're going to have to be smarter about how they, you know, maybe they'll 
go a little deeper into their rotation than they would normally um, uh, to, to make sure that their frontline guys aren't overtaxed um, at the beginning. And, you know, and, and with the teams that didn't get there, you know, the teams that weren't in Orlando, the thing that, that you always are concerned about are those soft tissue injuries, you know, the first yeah. first um, month or so. And it's going to be a concern, I think, for those teams as well. I mean, you just don't know the hamstrings, the, the calves, all those things that, that tend to – you tend to have problems with um, when you ratchet it back up, I think will be an issue and something that those medical staffs are going to have to monitor very closely. Absolutely, and it's not going to be easy. Do you think the Lakers uh, made the trades and signings that they did because of this? Uh, now knowing the roster, they added some depth. Um, they rushed Schroeder in. They signed Marcus Saul. Yeah, KCP's back, and they're clearly a little bit deeper. And do you think there's a reason for that? Uh, you know, the, the short off season. Did this have to do with that? Keep in yeah, mind could that be. Could be. They, they, they can take some pressure off LeBron. All those guys are, you know, Schroeder is is a lot more offensive-minded than Rondo, for example. Yeah, yeah. So that can take some pressure off LeBron. And I was wondering if those those moves really – some of them were made also thinking about, you know, LeBron taking games off or right. getting his rest and protecting him. You know, he's, he's getting up there in age and uh, they want to have him as long as possible. Well, they certainly traded defense for offense if you look at, at the moves that they made. I mean, they – you know, they didn't re-sign Avery Bradley. He went to, to Miami. You know, they brought in Wes Matthews. Um, they brought in, as you mentioned, Dennis Schroeder. Um, they brought in Montrez Harrell, who is a, um, you know, really, really, really good offensive center. Not not a great defensive center, right? <laughs> and they brought in Mark Gasol, who is, a, is still a very, very smart defensive player. So he'll help them on the defensive side of the ball. But certainly offensively brings more to the table in terms of versatility than Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee did. So I, I think it's clear that their their bet is we're still going to be able to win games during the regular season um, with with more offense, as you mentioned, in service, in complementary style to, to LeBron and, and AD. Um, and then we'll try to figure out our best defensive lineup as the season goes on so that by the time the playoffs come along, we know – you know, who to put out there because they, they did give up a lot defensively. I mean, Rondo is a savant defensively. I thought Dwight Howard was was really good for them in the playoffs defensively. Um, and those guys aren't there anymore. And Danny Green is, you know, a, a very, very still, I think, capable uh, on-ball defender. Not as good as he used to be, but he's still very good. So, you know, they gave up a lot, but I think their bet – to your point is we're going to be able to outscore most teams most nights um, during the regular season, and we'll figure out the defense as, as we go. Yeah, to me, without Rondo, that that team, I'm not sure it would have had um, an easy path to, to winning the NBA championship. Yeah. I think uh, their, their chance would have been uh, – uh, I'm not sure I would like the chances uh, against a slightly healthier Miami Heat without Rondo. I yeah, think he, yeah. he makes uh, you know he's he's a winner. He's a winner, and he makes plays on the defensive end. He covers gaps uh, with his wingspan, his footwork, and his uh, defensive IQ. It's it's really one of my favorite players to watch on the on the defensive end. Now, Da, who do you think is the is the winner of this uh, free agency and um, mm-hmm. off season short off season uh, well, that the NBA teams had? 
Yeah, it's a good question, and I don't I don't have a definitive answer right now. I know a lot of people liked what Atlanta did, and I, you know, look, they did very well. I think. Still not quite sure that they're as good as people think they're going to be. I mean, they made a lot of moves. Um, they'll be better. Don't get me wrong. They'll be better. But it's like everybody's got to annoy. Well, they're a playoff team now. Eh, not quite. Eh, let's slow the brakes a little bit. They're better. <laughs> but, you know, but they certainly look. I like I like adding Bogdanovich. He's a really good player. He's a really good shooter. Um, they really needed other people who could spread the floor. Um, to give Trey Young more space as a driver, we you know uh, that's a that's a big part of his game as well. Um, that they did not they could not really open up because the floor was never spaced well enough for him to have that kind of room. Um, so now you know adding uh, Bogdanovich really helps them uh, in that in that regard. Uh, I like you know some of the other moves that they made as well. Um, they they had a good off season. I think they did well. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm intrigued a little bit by New Orleans. I can't quite figure out if I really like what they did. <laughs> um, I don't know if I really like what they did because I just like Jeru Holiday so much. But I, I get it. They needed to do something. They were not going to give Jeru Holiday another huge contract. Um, you know, they gave Brandon Ingram a max deal. They're going to give Zion a max deal, obviously, in the next couple of years. Um, so you just couldn't keep, you can't give, but so many max deals. Um, and whether they keep George Hill and Eric Bledsoe or not, um, you know, those are, those are good players to have on your, on your roster short term. And then you'll be able to get something for them in the long term if you trade them. Um, so I, not that I dislike what they did, but I really like Drew Holiday. Um, you know, I think he's pretty good. So those are some of the, the, the teams that I thought, did really well in the offseason. I like what Portland did, kind of low-key. You know, I really like Covington. Um, they needed to get better defensively. Uh, I like Covington a lot as a kind of versatile guy. Uh, I, I think Derek Jones Jr. has great potential and is certainly worth taking a chance on at 23 as an unrestricted free agent. Um, but they're they're longer. They're more athletic defensively. They'll be They should be better defensively. So I like what they did. And, you know, having Nurkic back for the full season will certainly help them. Um, so I thought Portland had a one of those kind of low-key, quietly good off-seasons. Um, I don't know that any, you know, you can't replace Klay Thompson. I thought Golden State did as well as you could possibly expect, given that Thompson got hurt so late and they really had to scramble. But um, I, I think Oubre is a really good fit for them. I think he'll help them a lot, actually. Um, I, I want to make her always play well when, when he got a chance in Boston the last couple of years. So I think he'll help. And then you add Wiseman in the draft. It makes you a different team. You know, they can play a different way now than they, they would have had to do it anyway without clay, but now they at least have the option of throwing the ball inside, which they haven't had really ever in the, in the splash brothers era. Yeah, absolutely. And about your point, Portland, um, I think they're going to be very, very good. Yeah. They're, they're deep. Uh, you know, you have Nukic and Cantor. You have uh, Melo there. Uh, yeah. That seems to have just fitting great with, with, with those guys. Yeah. And, you know, CJ and Dame are, are doing a fabulous job of, uh, you know, bring, bringing up that franchise. And I really think they're going to they're gonna make some noise in the West this year. What do you think about the Chris Paul, uh, Chris Paul to, to Phoenix? I like it. I, I like it in the sense that you had to do something to kind of, 
um, show your your young superstar Devin Booker that you were, you know, trying to make the team as good as possible. Um, I'm glad. I, I think it was a good move for them not to fall in love with the bubble results. You know, they went eight and zero, and it would have been very easy for them to say, "Hey, you know, we play great in Orlando. Let's keep let's keep <laughs> yeah. this group together." And they saw that, hey, you know what? We have to get better. We can't just we can't just sit on our laurels here. We have to we have to get better. And they did. I think you know. Look, Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. He's he's an incredibly smart player. He's an, he's still an incredibly efficient player. Um, I think he's you know a, as good a leader as there is in the game right now. He will help Devin immensely. Um, I think he'll help DeAndre Ayton immensely, um, just in terms of getting him some easy looks, some easy shots. Um, and, you know, it, it will make them a better team. Now, you know, it's not a long-term play. This is, let's see how good we can be with a really good point guard. Um, no no disrespect to Ricky Rubio, who's still a very good point guard, but he's not as good as Chris Paul. I think we can all agree on that. Um, you know, and let's see how let's see how far we can take this thing. Um, so, I, you know, it, it's, it's got to be a year-to-year thing with Chris just because of his age and his contract. So let's see what happens this year. I don't think it automatically puts them in the playoffs. I think it's a lot like Oklahoma City. You know, OKC was not expected to be a playoff team. They got a great year out of Chris Paul. They got a great year out of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and they managed to get to the playoffs. And they got a great year out of Schroeder as well, I got to say. Um so let's see. One of the one of Phoenix's young guys is going to have to have that kind of elevated season as well for them to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, honestly, uh, Chris Paul was and is one of my favorite point guards, and yeah. uh, I, I loved watching him about everywhere he played. He's a, he's an amazing leader, and uh, really. At some point, I was looking down how to how to become a, le- a better leader myself, and I saw I saw that in Chris Paul. Yeah, uh, how vocal he is, and I think he's he's going to be of, of great help to to Devin Booker. Now, Da, last question: How do you think this NBA season is going to impact the Olympics? A lot of people around the world, you know, they're looking at Team USA. They're like uh, coming off the World Cup. They're kind of licking their chops, especially yeah. in, in the Balkans. If you want to go Serbia, sure. But to me. You know, you can't if if uh, if if the main guys come, if the superstars are going to be there. I don't think there's going to be a conversation about who's winning the the Olympic gold. Right. But at the same time, being the year the way it is, short break for someone like LeBron. Yeah. Do you think this NBA season can impact uh, Team USA's chances in the Olympics? Oh sure, sure. I mean, to your point, they're not going to get everybody right because somebody is going to be on a team that plays into June and in July. Um, there is some time, you know, unless you're in the finals. If you're a team that's in the finals, I suspect that those players probably won't be in the on the Olympic team. You know, I don't think LeBron was going to play anyway. I think LeBron's done with the Olympics. <laughs> I think he's been, you know, I mean, I think, you know, he's he's been in three. Um, I don't think he sees any 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 additional value in playing a fourth. So um, I think he's done. I thought he was done regardless. Um, but the question is, does a guy like Anthony Davis um, play if he's on a if he's back in the finals next year and they go into July and then you have to turn around in a week and, and go to Tokyo does he do that you might you may not get him but to your point you're going to get I think more than enough of the NBA star players like for example maybe you don't get a Damian Lillard if Portland does well 
but you could very well get like a Bradley Beal. You know what I mean? If, if the Wizards don't do well, if the Wizards are not a playoff team. So you, you're going to have plenty of guys who are good enough to win the gold medal um, to be available for Team USA. So they may not get their top 10, but they'll probably get six or seven of their top 10. You know what I mean? And they, and they can fill in uh, with the others to have a team that's, that's still good enough. I mean, that, that team that won in Rio in 2016 was not the best team, you know, the best U.S. team that they could send, but it was still good enough to win. And that was with your, you know, frankly, many of your second and third level NBA star players. It was not the cream of the crop, but it was still good enough. And I think that's, you'll have a similar type of team probably with a little more talent at the, at the top end, uh, I think, going into, the, into these Olympics. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. DA, thank you very much for uh, for stopping by at Motor City Hoops. I really appreciate your your input, and uh, we look forward to having you on the show uh, later on the season. Vlad, thank you, my man. I, I wish you nothing but the best, uh, both on and off the court. I hope you have a lot of fun with this. That's what podcasts are for, just to have fun <laughs> and laugh and tell some stories. So that's what <laughs> I hope you do and, and enjoy it. Absolutely. Thank you very much, DA. Yes, sir. Awesome. That was great information right there from David. And, um, you know, he's, he's one of the best in the business. I, I love uh, not only following him on Twitter, but also picking his brain every now and then. As uh, as you saw, I was, I was kind of picking his brain about Phoenix and, and how they did stuff. And uh, I was very intrigued by the Lakers and how they moved. You know, they seemed, just like he said, you know, they seemed to move um, offense for defense, uh, which is very interesting because, in my opinion, without Rondo, I'm not sure they, they would have won that championship. If he didn't come back early enough from that injury, uh, he uh, he covers a lot of gaps with his um, with his wingspan, with his defensive position. He has a really, really brilliant defense. He's, he's brilliant defensively, um, high IQ, and I see a lot of haze in that too. Like a lot of potential for haze to develop into that defensively, with a lot more um, offensive weapons, which is why I brought Ronda up. Now. We only have a few returning players, right? So, not much talk about there. You know, we have four guys returning. Uh, Blake's v. Derrick Rose and uh, Dumbuya, but I don't see Blake and Derrick Rose being on this roster very long. It seems that um, the Pistons GMs or waiver, he wanted to blow things up. He wanted to start rebuilding and rebuilding now. I think Blake and Derrick Rose are not part of that plan. Uh, but that remains to be seen because now the last thing I want to touch on is this three years that seems to be the mark for this team right now. You know, the con- the Plumlee's contract, uh, Jeremy Ga- uh, Grant's contract, Blake Griffin is around there. And it seems to me that this is a two, three-year deal where the Pistons are going to be back in the lottery or they're going to be up in the playoffs I don't see him contending just yet, but I can see them, um, you know, being in the middle of the pack in the playoffs. And that seems to me to be the the future here because they're either going to be the lottery in three years and to fight for guys like Kate Cunningham or Imani Bates, which that's what seemed to me very interesting when I was doing the research. This, this three years that everybody's signing sort of, it's kind of the year that Imani Bates comes out. Or could be the year that Imani Bates comes out. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody know Imani Bates by now. 
very he's been compared a lot to Kevin Durant, I believe best player in high school and uh, you know very very talented. So do you know do you want to take a chance? Do you want to risk like Chicago end up with Derrick Rose? You know can you end up with Imani a few years from down the road if you're um, you know if if you're not up there yet as far as building process. Or, you know, that's the year kind of Blake's contract goes off the books if if he doesn't get traded by then. But it's very similar to, to John Wall's contract. I believe Blake has like two more years. John Wall has one. And it's... Uh, John Wall has three, sorry. And uh, it's, it's all right there. It's on that two, three year span. So it seems to be that two, three year mark should be a big one for the Pistons and see kind of where they're at. See where Hayes base, see where Saban League uh, develop. Um, I think I think Bay and um, I really think Bay and uh, Hayes are the ones that uh, really really can um, you know can can take this team over offensively. Uh, and uh, of course, with uh, the emergence of of Jeremy Grant, like I said, being that type of uh, basketball Siakam type player, take it a step even higher up. You know, could be Kawhi Leonard. I think that's the path, or maybe the the story that uh, Dwayne Casey wants to, wants to see. So uh, it's gonna be a few years, a few uh, rebuilding years, and um, you know, I'll be here to to tell you all about it, to to give you all the latest news and uh, all the latest info, and I'll try to have as many NBA uh, guests as possible, either players, staff, scouts. I'll do my best to, to bring guys the, the best uh, the best uh, in the business. And I want to thank you guys for uh, listening to the first episode of uh, Motor City Hoops. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.